Radio Mano Papachango. February 28th, 2022, I'm coming to you from Kopangan, Thailand. Last day we'll be here. We're going to go up to Bangkok for a week, I think, five days, something like that. I'm going to do some medical stuff. Thailand is a great place for medical stuff, as I've talked about before, dentistry and whatever. It's cheap, state-of-the-art. Um, I'm going to see a dermatologist because I am such, I'm like one step away from albino genetically. And, um, so skin cancer is an issue for somebody like me who spent a lot of time in the tropics in my life, not particularly careful about sun exposure. And, um, so anyway, I'm going to go to a dermatologist and make sure everything's all right. Strip down to my skivvies. Um, so interesting stuff happening, but before I get into current events and get myself into some hot water and maybe try to stagger out of some hot water, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by omgyes.com. If you go to that website forward slash Chris Ryan, you get 10% off. I, um, I was thinking I was I was looking around on the website the other day and I've looked on it a bunch. I looked on it obviously before I agreed to accept their sponsorship uh of the podcast to make sure it was cool and it's very cool and the more I look at it the more cool it is. Um you know, the stuff I'm supposed to tell you is it's research based and uh it's non-judgmental and it's for anyone who is concerned with women's pleasure. All true, but what's more important is that it's one of the only things I, I have imagined. I've spent a lot of time imagining a world without sexual shame. What would that world look like? Because, you know, one of the premises of Sex at Dawn is that sexual shame didn't become a part of the human condition until the advent of agriculture and hierarchical large-scale societies with you know religions and and uh, property related reasons to control women's sexual behavior and so shame obviously is one of the leverage levers that's used to control other people's sexual behavior you introduce a a notion that sex is dirty and shameful and can only you know god's always watching you you can't touch yourself in this way or that way everything has to be done according to our rules and um you know so you get that whole sort of infrastructure of bullshit that comes with the advent of agriculture in most societies and um you know you've heard me talk about it before i won't go into the the theoretical details of it Get yourself a copy of Sex at Dawn if you want to know more about that. So the point is that sexual shame is not part of the human condition per se. It's a cultural construct 
that started to make sense with the advent of private property and paternity certainty becoming a big issue because of inheritance rights and all that kind of shit. Um, all a long-winded way of saying I have spent a lot of time in my life imagining what it would be like to live in a world where people talked about sex the way they talked about food or being parents or um you know exercise or whatever other parts of their body that they care about that they treasure that are special that are a source of pleasure um sometimes associated with deep lifelong love sometimes associated with friendship sometimes associated with raw animal passion i mean there are all sorts of ways to experience sexuality what would it be like if we could just talk about it without that cloak of shame and that's my point about this website omgs.com it is an example of what such a world would look like and i don't know if i can even think of another one I mean, I guess there's some porn that isn't super porny. Um, there's some porn that's just like a couple doing what they do and, you know, giving viewers a window into their private sexual experience, I guess. Uh, maybe. Um, but... I can't really think of another place where you can go and hear women talking in a friendly, open, relaxed, unashamed way about their sexual pleasure, about their bodies and how they interact with their bodies and how they like their partners to interact with their bodies. Um, and even like techniques for how to increase sexual pleasure, like things like, uh, you know, going up to the brink of orgasm and then backing off and then, you know, go back and then back. I think it's called edging, right? Like things like that are discussed in a totally shameless way. And shameless is a funny word, isn't it? Right. If you say someone's shameless, that's an insult. What a weird world we live in. Where God-fearing is a compliment and shameless is an insult. But there it is. Um, anyway, after going around on the website so much and spending time there, I, I'm going to write to these folks and see if I can get someone to come on as a guest and talk about how the uh, site was founded and, and sort of the background story and how they organized all this research involving, you know, I think 20,000 women, uh, were surveyed to, to get some of the information that they use. Um, and that's not part of the deal, which I'll explain when and if it happens. Uh, it's just, I'm so fucking impressed with this, with this website, with this whole project of creating a space where sexuality is discussed in in a way that it would be if we didn't teach kids that their bodies are dirty that their desires are dirty that other people are dirty and that the whole fucking thing is a shit show if we just let them grow up and 
not be ashamed. Maybe the world would look a little bit more like this website. Anyway, that's omgs.com forward slash Chris Ryan. You get 10% off if you want to check that place out. So first thing I want to say, last episode, I said some shit about Ukraine and Russia and the United States foreign policy and some people got upset. I don't know how many people got upset. It's it's so hard to judge these things because you know, I when you're someone like me where you get a lot of emails and you see shit online or whatever, you get a sense that you know, if half the stuff that you see online in reaction to something you've said or done is negative, then you get a sense that like half the people who saw it hated it, which isn't real. You know, like Dave Chappelle said, oh, they canceled me on Twitter. I don't care because Twitter isn't a real place. You know, it's like it's true. So trying to extrapolate from what happens online is uh, problematic. But some people were upset. And so what I want to say is that what I said in the last episode, if you didn't hear it, was I went on this big, long rant about how it's hypocritical for the United States to be spouting their respect for human rights and the sovereignty, you know, the sovereign rights of independent states to choose their alliances and yada, 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 and how it's, uh, you know, criminal behavior for one country to violate the borders of another country and, you know, all this stuff. Um, I was very explicit in saying, A, I'm no geopolitical expert, and B, this is in no way meant to excuse or defend Russia's aggression against Ukraine and Putin's presence on the world stage in general. He's a fucking prick, no doubt about it. Um, and I could go into like personal connections I actually have with people who've been, I mean, it's several steps, but I know people, I know someone who knows someone who Putin has destroyed basically. So it's one step away from me. Um, and I'm not saying that gives me any great insight. All I'm saying is that we live in a time where it's very difficult to have a nuanced conversation about anything, much less war. And I was trying to do that. What I was trying to say, and I did say, is that the United States violates other countries' sovereign rights constantly. And there's a war been going on in Yemen for a few years now. Saudi pilots trained in the United States, flying American jets, dropping American bombs on people in Yemen. It's been going on shooting American missiles into Yemen. American tanks crossing the border into Yemen. Millions of people displaced. Thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people killed. Have you heard about that? Is that leading the news on CNN every night? No, it's not. And Iraq, that did lead the news because it was American troops there, right? Um, 
But what, what the fuck are we doing in Iraq anyway? What are we doing in Afghanistan? What are we doing in Guatemala, Chile? You know, I go through all the list. So the point is not that what Putin is doing is acceptable. The point is it's not acceptable. It's never acceptable. Unless you can truly demonstrate that there's some life-threatening security threat emanating from that particular place, I guess maybe then you've got some right to do it. But there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. It was all a lie. And so to me, having some historical knowledge and perspective on the incredible hypocrisy of the United States and the Western powers in general, it's really annoying to hear them coming from this position of moral superiority. Again, that doesn't mean Putin isn't totally wrong and that what's happening in Ukraine is not totally fucking criminal. It is. No doubt. Zero doubt. Just as there's zero doubt that what the United States did in Guatemala, in Indonesia, on and on and on, was criminal. So my point is not to excuse Putin. My point is not to say this isn't a horrible thing. My point is simply to say this horrible thing is also done by the United States historically. And with the largest military in the history of the world, with bases all over the planet, it's kind of our thing. It's what we do. Again, not excusing Putin, not excusing what's going on there. Just trying to see it in a larger historical context. Now, on a factual level, I was wrong because I thought that what Putin was going to do was another land grab like the Crimea situation where he would go in, take a bite out of Ukraine uh, in the eastern part bordering Russia and just sort of give himself a little bit of a buffer zone there. And, you know, most of those people speak Russian anyway. And so it wouldn't be it wouldn't be enough for the international community to get all riled up and, and do the things that they've done. Because, in fact, what he's done is a full-scale invasion. And now his nuclear forces are on alert, and who knows where the fuck this is going. Um, so that's what I have to say about that. I hope that clarifies things. The people who are angry at me, I guess, are still going to be angry at me. Um, there's a Reddit uh, subreddit that uh, I've mentioned on the podcast a bunch of times. There are about 7,500 people subscribed to that, uh, and there are, you know... A couple of people who are kind of getting really riled up there and I made the mistake of engaging I should I should just not I guess I don't know I like I like interacting with you wherever I find you speaking of which uh, I met uh, some folks Clemens and his friends I'm sorry I don't remember everybody's name right now but they're here on the island uh, really cool guys my god they work some of them work at the United Nations or embassies and they're all sort of international they all met in Turkey and uh, somehow they all listened to this podcast and that came up and then they're traveling together and they heard I was here and we got together for some beers well yeah a beer four beers later we were still there um, anyway shout out to those guys uh, really cool crew and when I meet people like that it makes me so fucking happy because I just sort of say okay that's what these four dudes 
are like and i just imagine there are tens of thousands of you out there um not just men not just young guys not just international just good fucking people and so thank you for giving me that feeling that i'm in this community of tens of thousands of good fucking people because that is such a luxury even if it's a fucking illusion it's wonderful so here's a thing that'll <laughs> maybe this will get me maybe i got a little out of trouble with the last one and i'll get back into a different kind of trouble with this one but i saw this situation um i actually uh, yesterday i think i saw it it's basically a situation where there's a model she's i think her background is sudanese um and she's i'm i'm as i'm talking i'm clicking on my computer here trying to find it okay so here it is. here's the article um this just happened a couple of days ago so the the woman's name is nayakim gatwech She's an American model of South Sudanese descent, and her fans refer to her as the queen of the dark because her skin is super dark. It's like ebony. It's really um, an outlier in terms of skin pigmentation. And so somebody tweeted... Um, you may have heard about this, although I don't see it getting a lot of attention. Um, but somebody tweeted a photo of her that looks like um, a statue, kind of, because she's sitting on white sheets on a on a bed in a hotel room, it looks like. And the contrast between the white sheets and her skin is so intense. You can't even tell if she's wearing... She could be wearing like black panties or something, but it's just so intense you can't even see. She's just so black. And the the original tweet says, and it sounds like it might be someone who doesn't speak English as a first language. Um, it says, it is not a work of art made of black stone or granite. She is Sudanese model Nayakim Gatwech, the most beautiful among the black beauties. She is in the Guinness Book of World Records for having the darkest skin ever seen on earth. She is also known as the Queen of Dark. Now, I think it turns out she's not in the Guinness Book of World Records, but that's what this tweet said. So this guy says, Jeffrey A. Lieberman, who is the head of psychiatry at Columbia University and also a uh, a chief psychiatrist in the psychiatric unit of Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, I think, in New York, one of the major hospitals in New York. And he's considered to be one of the leading psychiatrists in the United States. So, like a big deal, a guy who's done a lot of work, presumably helped a lot of people. He says, his tweet responding to this says, whether a work of art or freak of nature, she's a beautiful sight to behold. Jeffrey Lieberman is no longer employed in the hospital. He's terminated immediately. And he's suspended from his teaching duties at Columbia pending further review. Freak is a weird word, right? Because you could say someone looks like a freak and mean that they're 
horrible, grotesque. But what freak of nature means is extremely out of the ordinary. An extreme example of something. Einstein was a freak of nature. Mozart was a freak of nature. Pick, pick some extraordinary genius or extraordinary example of natural beauty or extraordinary example of anything that can be called a freak of nature that's what the term means it doesn't mean negative it just means out extremely far from mediocrity i guess and it could go either way i'm not saying that it isn't used in a negative sense but that's not embedded in the phrase. The phrase itself is a neutral phrase. I mean, just like the word freak, what does that mean? You know, let's get freaky. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, let's do the freak, for those of you who are old enough to remember <laughs> the 70s and all those dumb dances. So, the point is, okay, definitely, I'm sure... Dr. Lieberman would go back and change the wording. He would say whether a work of art or an extreme example of skin pigmentation, she's a beautiful sight to behold. I'm, that's what he meant. Clearly, that's what he's saying. But because he used a phrase that could potentially, inaccurately, but potentially be interpreted in a way that makes him seem racist, he has now, he's, he's done Imagine how this guy feels. He's sitting at home going, what happened? What happened? You said she's in the Guinness Book of World Records for being having the darkest skin of anyone alive. I say, well, whether that's the case or not, she's beautiful. And for that, I lose my fucking job. For that, my reputation is destroyed. For that, I'm being pilloried as a racist. Maybe I'm a racist, and that's why I don't get this. But sorry, that's ridiculous. That's fucking absurd. I mean, what's the proper response to this? Maybe someone says, a uh, freak of nature seems kind of uh, insensitive. And he could say, oh, yeah, I know, what you, I see what you're saying. Didn't mean it that way. Yeah, I just meant extreme example. Maybe someone at the university says hey uh, saw your tweet mm, it's okay. you might want to like walk that one back a little people could misinterpret it oh yeah you're right they could misinterpret it fuck sorry didn't think of it that way eh fine whatever but dude you're fired you're suspended from all your teaching and and you can't see your patients what i don't understand the world i just don't all right, so here's another thing that's happening. Uh, I often think about, like, you know, we, we develop metaphors and as ways of thinking about things. And one of the things that I, one of the metaphors that I go to a lot, and I'm sure it's come up on the podcast, is the idea of islands. I actually I just mentioned it recently because I remember thinking of it in terms of leaving Kopayam 
and how identity or phases of identity or stages of life or you know relationships jobs whatever can be seen as islands and you're on this island and you know maybe it's maybe you want to stay on that island forever like when my father met my mother he washed up on this island and he was like this is where i want to be i never want to leave he never did and that's how she felt too she never did they spent the rest of their lives on that island you know in other parts of their lives they left jobs and towns and friends and you know all the stuff behind and moved and moved and moved which is why i had the kind of perambulatory childhood that i did but um anyway so that analogy of islands uh comes up a lot for me because i think that often people are afraid to move to the next stage of their lives because they don't want to leave the island they've been on even though they're really unhappy there um because they don't want to be lost at sea and so you get into this situation where it's like okay I'm feeling super crowded here. I am not loving this as much as I thought I did when I first got here. But of course, when you first get there, you've been like floating around in the ocean for a while, wondering if you're going to die out there. So you wash up on an island, you're fucking grateful initially. So you don't really think much about the island. You're not sort of assessing it in terms of long term comfort or, or resonance because you're just glad you washed up on a beach somewhere now you can apply this to you know you've been single for a while and you finally meet someone you connect to who's into you and you're attracted to them well you're not most people aren't doing a lot of long-term thinking at that point you're just like glad you are finally on solid land and you know you'll enjoy that for a while and then you'll you'll get to thinking about it or maybe you know you don't have a job i mean i've had times in my life when i didn't have a job and i you know you go through that thing where you're doing interviews and getting your fucking resume updated and all that stuff and it can feel like a desperation like you know i've got another month or two and then i'm out of money what am i going to do you start like looking at under bridges that you could possibly crash in you know and thinking about living in your car or your tent and a lot of people are fucking facing that shit so i don't mean to make light of it um and i've been there and when you're in that situation any fucking job sounds great like just give me a fucking job so i can pay my bills i can eat and then i'll think about if i could do better but for now any job and so i feel like we do that with relationships with work with situations in our lives and it's really fucking hard to put your boat in the water and push off from your island not knowing if you'll ever find another one that's one of the hardest things in life which is why a lot of people stay on their island until somebody comes along and says i'll take you over to that island 
which is better than this one. So they break up with their girlfriend because they met another woman. So they just hop from one to another to another. It's rare that somebody will just say this isn't working and they'll just swim off from there not knowing where they're going. I think that's the most courageous thing. That's the the thing that leads to the most growth. Uh, especially if there's some time alone before you get to the next island so you get to really see like okay I can survive out here on my own I can do this I can I like myself I'm not being alone isn't a problem for me it may not be preferable but I can do it and I can be happy and I've you know I can survive if you know that then you're not as desperate to get to the next island you're not as um yeah, you, you, you're much better off in life. Um, and that's a, a huge growth thing. Anyway, why am I talking about this? I read this really interesting article in uh, the Daily Grail. It's called Water Lightning, the mysterious Polynesian navigation method known as Telapa, the flashing. And it's about these researchers who study the ancient navigational techniques of Polynesians who would like literally go off from islands and navigate the South Pacific, which is, you know, almost all water with a few little islands speckled around Hawaii and, you know, Tuva, Tuva, no, Tuva is Mongolia, Tunit, no, uh, Tahiti. Yeah, Tahiti. Knew it began with a T. Anyway, really hard to do. And, um, they had you know, all these thing, ways of using the stars and, and ripples on the water and, and wind and smells and all these really interesting techniques. I think there's a book called The Wayfarers um, that talks about this and, and other books. Uh, we the Navigators, the Ancient Art of Pacific Land Finding in the Pacific. It seems like too many pacifics but anyway that's by dr david h lewis um there's another book about this so they interview him and some other people in this article and they talk about these different navigational techniques and then they talk about something that hasn't been studied hasn't even been heard of before which is that there appears to be some sort of an electrical charge Something that happens, no, nobody has studied it yet. It's only come to light recently because they they met this uh, old dude who explained it to them. And he was like in the Santa Cruz Islands, I think they said. And uh, he says that w what he sees and what he sh taught these scientists to see is this instantaneous flash of light that comes across the surface of the water that indicates the direction of land that's within 120 miles. So it's a, it's a, when you're out there in the ocean and you know how to see this instantaneous flash in the water, it's a line and it, it's a line that directs you to land. It's fucking fascinating. Um, since most Pacific islands are located within a hundred miles or so of each other, Telapa is the method that the Caviea, an ocean going people in the Pacific use frequently. Isn't that crazy? 
so interesting. Um, it says, Telapa is generally described by the voyagers as white and lightning-like. The bolts are straight lines. They happen in just a fraction of a second. You can't see or describe them. Um, not easy to see or describe, I should say. The bolts are instantaneous and they emanate straight from land. So it's like these islands are sending out bolts of light and we look for them when we're at sea. Then many times we can see them and know the exact direction to take to the island. Now, the reason I mention this is, of course, when I read this, I thought, are there things that happen? Can I integrate this into the analogy of island hopping as we go through our lives? And I think, yes, I think it's a natural integration because the equivalent of the telapa, the bolt of lightning of light that we see in the water, if you're open to it, is what many people describe as the still small voice, right? It's the hunch. It's the, the voice that speaks softly but becomes clearer the more attention you pay to it over your life and that fades away completely when you ignore it it's the reward that you get for taking a chance for following your heart the reward is that your heart speaks more loudly to you next time and of course, it's very, very difficult to distinguish the voice of truth from the voice of culture, the voice of shame, the voice of parental expectation, the voice of ambition. And so I think that's, that's what we're trying to do in life, right? We're trying to learn to distinguish the voice of our inner truth from all those other voices. And it does sound differently. And maybe one of the most revealing characteristics is that it's a little quieter. It's not demanding your attention. It's merely requesting it in the most low key way imaginable. The voice of ambition, that's yelling at you. The voice of shame is scolding you. The voice of parental expectation is shaking its head at you, disappointed. Yeah, so anyway, that's what I'm doing. I'm working on my metaphors. It's probably the thing I do most. I come up with some pretty bizarre ones sometime but I think the island one works alright thank you for listening to this episode uh, I want to end by reminding you about OMG Yes this is the last episode in our agreement I don't know if we'll renew the sponsorship or not but uh, it's the last time you'll hear me talk about it for a while so check out OMG Yes dot com forward slash chris ryan if you like me would like to see what life would be like without sexual shame and you have any interest whatsoever in female sexual pleasure and you know you do
Yes, you do. Of course you do. Who doesn't? Come on. Thanks for listening to this. I'm going to try to upload this right away so I'm not putting any other wonderful music or intro snips or anything like that because i got to get this done flying out of here tomorrow and it'll be a while till I can get back to this. Thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, my apologies to anyone that I've offended. As always, it's never my intention. It does happen. Um, but uh, I'm just trying to be straight with you. Be Oh, geez, did I just offend gay people? Didn't mean it that way. Trying to be uh, honest with you and authentic. And sometimes that means I'm going to say things that piss you off or make you uncomfortable. And uh, that's what friendship is, right? So I hope I didn't do it this time. But if I did, I hope you'll forgive me. Thank you for listening. Much love, and I will be back in touch soon. Thanks.